in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. Galatians 5, verses 13 through 26. Let's go ahead and read those through, and then we'll pray, and then we'll share God's Word. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Let us pray. Most kind and gracious Father, I thank you for this evening that we have to gather together to just share as brothers and sisters in Christ to lift up one another, to strengthen one another, Lord, to get into your word and and just to be reinforced, refreshed by it. All the many powerful things you do by your word, we thank you for it. I pray and beg you for the ability to convey your word that we might all understand what we've shared and, and that we might go home and meditate on this word and refer back to it and, and find our strength in living the Christian life and Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in all that is said and done tonight. I pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right. Well, we shared verses 2 through 12 last time we got together. And we talked about how there is nothing added to Jesus for salvation. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Back in that day, the, the big item... And the big subject was circumcision. And, and it was overruled, voted out. It's not true. Circumcision is not a requirement in salvation. And just like today, it's, it's not Jesus plus church membership. It's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus money. It's not Jesus plus good works that equals salvation. You are complete in Him, is what Colossians says. And, and so we have everything we need in Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Another thing and another way to talk about this is the fact that we're free in Christ. We are free from the burden of the law. Back in verse 1 of this chapter, 
It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And if you look in verse 13, the beginning of this verse, it says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. And that word is is freedom, talking about our freedom in Christ. We're free. We're free to enjoy our life in Christ. We are free to enjoy the access that we have into all of the things of Christ. We are made righteous not by the deeds of the law, not by what the Judaizers were saying. We're made righteous by faith. By, by faith righteousness was imputed to us. We are no longer condemned by God's law. It can't condemn us. The guilt has been lifted by Christ fulfilling the law. He has satisfied the law's demands for all of us. Salvation is full for us in Christ. And it is free in Christ. But as we talk about this liberty, as we talk about this freedom, there is a caution of abuse that we see. Look at verses 13 and 14. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We have been called into the freedom of the gospel privileges. We've been freed from the penalty of sin. We have, we're free from, from that, that breaking of the law that condemns us all. Christ fulfilled it. We're, we're free. What a wonderful freedom we have in Christ. We can't lose that freedom. However... We can abuse that freedom. Let me go into the subject. We could talk about many things about abusing our freedom in Christ. Let's go to the subject that we're going to see Paul's talking about. How we act toward other people, how we act in the church toward one another, how we talk to one another, how we treat others. Look, it cannot change the freedom that we have But that doesn't mean that we should do it. That doesn't mean we should treat others bad because of it. Look, you know, within a church, we have have different thoughts. We have different opinions. We have different personalities. We have different preferences, uh, which would make it easy to give one another a piece of our mind every now and then. But it doesn't make it okay to do. We are abusing our freedom when we're using fleshly words and acting in a fleshly attitude and having fleshly actions toward one another. And we get to the end of this verse 13, and he says, But by lo- instead of using, uh, do not use liberty as an occasion to the flesh. And, and it's for that reason because he says, But by love serve one Another, you know, Romans says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And and, and so we have a human love that, that can be very, very selfish. It can be very, very conditional. But the love of God is not that way. And it's been shed in our hearts, the Bible says. So to slay one another, look, this is what we would do without Christ's love. 
That, that's what we would do in that case. But we're called to serve one another, is what he says. You know, and whether the quarrel going on in the churches in Galatia, what, whether this is over the issue of the erring doctrine, which is, a, which is a very big issue, and it's a very passionate issue, and it's a very important issue, or whether it's a petty issue even that is going on. Look, if we're not serving one another in love, we're abusing the freedom that we, we have. And we're not only to love everyone within the church body, he mentions one of the commandments, love thy neighbor as thyself. And our neighbor is everyone that we come across. That It's everyone that we meet. And so as we look at the abuse of freedom, and it goes into talking about by love we serve one another, let's go into talking about this absence of love Look what he says in verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Look, this is not just a random warning that was thrown in right in the middle of something. It's an indication of what's going on in the churches in Galatia. Instead of praying, P-R-A-Y-I-N-G, for one another, they are praying, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, on one another. And, and this is the condition of what is starting to happen in these churches. This is a result also, look, of turning from turning to the leading of religion instead of being spirit-led in their relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what the, the Judaizers are doing. They're, they're talking to them and they're, they're saying you can have your faith, but they're actually turning them to religion. You know, and, and away from the, 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 the experience of their relationship with the Lord. And when enough members in the church start going this direction, it can destroy this church, the church. And that's what he's saying here. He said, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. You know, some people talk about how they're so glad they're not in a church anymore. And there can be a good reason for saying that. But, but in a lot of cases, when you, when you think of, of a church, a church split, or people leaving a church and going to another church, and, and the idea of a bitterness or, or just glad you're not there or rid of this, you know, something has to be remembered that the church is the Lord's. You know, husbands love your wives. As Christ loved the church... And gave himself for the church. It's the Lord's church. And he thinks, he takes things personal that go on in the church. The church belongs to the Lord. So, so, and, and so this is what you have when you have the absence of serving one another by love. And that is biting and devouring one another. We not only see an abuse, a caution, uh, with abuse and an absence of love though, I'm glad he didn't just stop right there and make them feel bad about the condition that they're in, but he gives an alternative. And he's given it before to them, but it's time to refresh them. And the alternative is in verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is one of my favorite verses as far as sanctification of the Christian 
walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Being told to walk, that, that, that is you and I being told to make a decision. There is a choice for you and I in this alternative. To walk is giving us a decision to make. You and I have been given a responsibility not to live according to our own ability, but to be led by the Spirit's ability. And we are free to choose to walk in the Spirit. Praise God. The unsaved person can't do this. But we are free to walk in the Spirit. Look, fulfilling the lust of the flesh... This is all that the unsaved person can do. But we don't have to be dominated by it anymore. There are a lot of professing Christians who would be described as fulfilling the lust of the flesh. It's hypocrisy what, what, the, what the message is about themselves that they're coming here to do or come, going to the Lord's true churches to do is to worship, but then living a different lifestyle outside of church. And that makes one miserable. And it doesn't have to be that way for the child of God. We no longer have to be dominated by the flesh. We are free in Christ to walk in the Spirit, to live by the Spirit. These things of the flesh we're going to talk about here tonight. You know, this is, these are not things that you and I can just stop doing. The Bible doesn't say to just stop doing it. Don't get me wrong. We want to reject sin and we want to turn from sin. But we can't just want to stop doing and stop doing something and then do nothing. You see that there's not just a rejection of sin. There's a replacement. Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's going to be one or the other. I've gone to buy a car a few times in my life. And, and they really, they saw me coming. And they got my money the first time in my young 20s when I went to buy a car. But I got a little experience. And, and just one little simple thing in it that I believe all of us know is that they advertise a great price in the paper. And then you get there and the interest rate is just way up there. And you, you know, and so you see this great price and you're like, well, well, give me a better interest rate. I know my credit's pretty good. Okay. And so they throw a better interest rate out there. And you're like, yeah, now we're talking. But then the price goes up. No, no. We don't want that. We, we want a low price and a low, no, you're going to get one or the other. And it's the same thing with the flesh and the spirit. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the flesh and you're not going to fulfill the, the, the walking in the spirit though. It's one or the other. But here's an alternative that we have. And, and we, have to replace, we have to replace it. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It was said of the preacher one time, of a preacher that... And right in front of him, in front of other people, he said, my preacher not only preaches the truth, he lives the truth. And it kind of embarrassed him, you know, and you don't know how to respond to that. And he just said, well, if that's so, it's just because I'm too busy in the things of God to be doing the things that I want to do in the flesh, what the natural man wants to do. See, he replaced it. And it's, 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 there was an absence of love, but there's an alternative here 
Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But it's just not that easy. And we're going to see the altercation in verse 17. It says, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. See, this is the reason why you and I just... We're not going to be able to do just nothing. We're not going to be able to turn from sin and, 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 and do just nothing at all. We have to choose. There's a choice that we're going to make in life. There, there's, a, there's a huge decision we'll make in life one day, but there's a, lot, a decision that we're going to make every day in life. A constant choice we have to make. Because what we see here are two sources, two things that determine our behavior as a child of God, it's going to be one or the other. And these things are battling against one another for our lives, for, 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 what we, for what we present in our lives, for how we carry ourselves, for what our behavior is going to be. See, there's a conflict that goes on when someone trusts Christ as Savior. For the unbeliever, there is absolutely no conflict in their life. It's one thing and it's one way and that's, that's all it is. But the true believer has a conflict. You know, some people say something about Romans 6.6. 6. It says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified in him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And they make that out to be something that it's not. And, and we know that by looking at the battle that takes place there in this 17th verse. The way Kenneth West explains it, it's kind of like the lathe machine that has a pulley. And, and, and Christ dying on the cross for our sins and defeating sin, it's like, it's like he, he knocks the belt off the pulley. And the lathe machine is no longer in operation. And you can compare that to the sin factory that our flesh has. But when we, and after we become saved, it, for us to sin, we choose to sin. We choose to put the belt back on the pulley. And, and there's a battle going on to, to push us to do one or the other. That battle is steadily going on in our lives all the time. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the flesh do not change when we become saved. The desires of the flesh, they do not change when we become saved. They just don't get fulfilled any longer the way that they did when we are surrendered to the Spirit of God and we are walking in the Spirit. This is a daily surrender, though. Because the flesh is going to be fighting to take over your behavior and your actions every day of your lives. Paul talked about a crucifying that went on daily in his life. And that is what it takes for you and I in this battle that is never going to end until we get to heaven and see our Lord face to face and be with Him. Let's look at an assurance 
we have in verse 18. Going back to this law obedience to maintain a salvation that the Judaizers have so subtly taught the Christians in Galatia into. Verse 18 says, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. You know, it's, it's so easy to become a critical Christian. It's so easy to get legalistic about things. I know some people, and I have no reason to believe that they're not truly born again. That I, be, I believe they're Christians, but they're, they're extremely legalistic. Look, the only way legalism and law obedience can entertain the mind of a child of God is by leaving the leadership of the Spirit. The Judaizers came in and caught the Christians in Galatia sleeping a little bit, getting a little relaxed in some way to be able to come in and to snow them the way that they had started doing, giving them a legalistic mind. They are not completely turned, but they are in the process of turning and this turning is happening because they started operating in the flesh and it quit being about dependence upon the Lord but to continually walk in the spirit this is the assurance that the law has no power over us so we're not caught sleeping when we're walking in the spirit we can we can we can immediately rebuke things that are not truth the bible says that the spirit leads and guides us into all truth okay and and so we know that the law gives us no requirements any longer you know it's Pastor Stone put out a, it was either a Think About It or a Morning Man a couple of months ago, and it was about the Christian that coasts, the coasting Christian, and how dangerous it is for the Christian to coast. And, and sometimes we just do not realize the hard work that's needed to, and the faithfulness to, and the being devoted to stay in the Word of God and, and, and to check ourselves in all areas to stay in the will of God. We, we have some kind of coasting that went on there in Galatia. And to coast is to slowly fall into fleshly living and not living in the power and the influence of the Lord any longer. As we've been talking about the actions of the flesh and, and the, the attributes of the Spirit, let's look at those. Because as Paul is talking to this, these churches, in Galatia, he, he's, he's describing something all through this book that has been going on and, and, he, and he speaks of their attitude and he speaks of things they're doing and he speaks of things they're not doing. So let's look at this list in verses 19 through 21 first at the actions of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And... Then we have adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. This is kind of a general term for filthy living with no restraints. And those are the sensual works of the flesh, okay? And then we go into the religious works of the flesh. There's idolatry and there's witchcraft. The idolatry, you know, back then in biblical days, it was the golden calf. 
or, or it was the nine foot by ninety foot golden wall, or, or whatever they did for idol worship. And, and today, I mean, it's just simply anything that we put above the Lord. It's the Houston Texans on Sunday instead of the Lord's church. Well, whatever it is, you know, you can you can name it. Anything that we put above God, that's the religious works of the flesh today. And then witchcraft. This has to do with the employment of drugs. And and this this magic stuff that goes on and, and there's there's so many other religious works that, that people call them religious works but they're not that at all. But we not only see the sensual works of the flesh and the religious works of the flesh, we now see the social works of the flesh. And one thing I want us to keep in mind as we go through these social works of the flesh, this has to be done against your neighbor. Okay, this uh, love thy neighbor as thyself. And uh, we'll get into a little talk on that afterwards. But let's look at these. It says hatred, variance, emulations. Emulations is jealousy and envy. Wrath. Wrath is temper. Strife. Strife is strife is conflict resulting from a selfishness. Seditions. This is causing divisions. Heresies. This word heresies has to do with the group that's a result of the division, a clique or whatever. These are results of the flesh. And, and when you think of cliques, you know that cliques happen in church. And, and so you know that there's fleshly operations that do go on in the, in the Lord's church and it's not good and it destroys it. And then it goes on to envyings. Envying is desiring something that belongs to someone else. And then you have murderers. And then you have drunkenness, revelings. You know, you know what revelings is all about? It's partying. About wild parties. Parties with the drunkenness. You know, a couple of teenagers, this is, uh, this is um, something in their favor, actually. But because they were innocent, they, they wanted to go to this party one night. There was a lot of athletes that were going to be there that, that they participated in athletics with in school and they got to the party and there were some things going on there that they didn't think were going to be going on there. So all of a sudden I'm laying on my couch about 10 o'clock one night and the, and, and a knock on my door and it's a couple of sweaty boys out there, but they ran three miles just to get away from that stuff. Praise God for that. That's, that's what these are works of the flesh, revelings. All of these social works of the flesh, I said, have to be done against the neighbor. And the law says, the law that, that the Judaizers so, so magnify and uplift says, love your neighbor as yourself. This, the way he's saying to love your neighbor as yourself, this is something that we cannot do in the flesh. The Judaizers magnify the law, yet they're living in the flesh. I've seen people with something that represents Christianity on their bumper sticker and something else they represent on their bumper sticker on the same car, and I'm thinking, wow, that is one confused person. And some of you can guess what that is. Uh, in a, uh, at least something very common. And so how confusing for them can this be? That they are magnifying the law and, and living in the flesh when the flesh cannot keep the law. And look at the end of him summing up these works of the flesh... He says, as I've told you in time past, 
that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. If these things are the constant habitual things and actions that go on in the life, this is not a life that belongs to the Lord. But we not only see the actions of the flesh, though, and and I want you to think about those Christians in Galatia as they have to examine their recent past and their recent change that they've experienced. We go to the attributes of the Spirit now, and we see that in verses 22 and 23. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. You know, the fruit of the Spirit uh, the result of God is God, is the way one person said this. The, what the Spirit produces is, the first thing said, is love. And this is not a love in our human selfishness that is conditional. This is a heavenly love that is unconditional and it's sacrificial. I believe it's very significant that love is the first thing that is listed in the fruits of the Spirit because if we don't have love, if we're not manifesting this love, we don't have anything at all. 1 Corinthians 13, first three verses say we have nothing if we don't have love. And then the fruit of the Spirit is, a, is joy. A joy that is a result of a deep relationship with the Lord and the dwelling influence of the Holy Spirit. A joy within that doesn't rely on outside circumstances to experience. As a matter of fact, some of the worst exterior circumstances that we can experience in the, in the world cannot take away that experience of the joy of the Lord. It's something that we can always be experiencing. And we're commanded to, to be joyful Christians. And then there's peace. Jesus is peace. When we receive Him, uh, we make peace with God. And the Spirit gives the experience of peace within ourselves. And not only that, the extension of of the to extend this peace goes between one another as children of God. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And there's not only peace that we see there, but long suffering, the ability to endure. That that's what the Spirit you don't have to rely on yourself to produce this. It's the Spirit of God that produces all of these things. And then gentleness, this is a true goodness. And then faith, an unswerving trust in the Lord and a trustworthiness. And then there's meekness. Some men especially do not like the idea of being meek because it sounds weak. But it's actually a great strength. To be able to be meek is, is, is having a great strength. It's just, it's a strength that keeps us under control. And speaking of control, temperance is self-control. Man, we can lose that so easy. But it's the Spirit that produces this. It's not of ourselves to be able to do this. So they see these two lists, the churches do. And now let's go down to the application. And we'll close with this application in verses 24 through 26. And they that are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. To belong to Christ enables you and I to lose our control over to the Spirit's control. 
to get in the back seat and to let the Lord and the power of His Spirit be in the front seat of our lives. And that's how we don't do all these things. That's how Galatia gets away from all of these things they are doing and they come back in the will of God. And when we choose to be under the Spirit's control, we're doing exactly what Paul is command is saying for us to do and that is to walk in the Spirit. See, the attributes of the Spirit will dictate the continual habitual behavior in our lives. The things that we see that seem so hard to do, that is what the Spirit does. And, and, and we're free for those things to happen through you and I. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, old things are passed away. And these are the works of the flesh that are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And these are the fruits of the Spirit in you and I. And as we look in verse 25, continuing this application, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The first part of this verse is a fulfilled condition. That word, if, means since. I mean, if any man have not the Spirit, he is none of his, Romans 8 9 says. So when we trust as Christ as Savior, we have the Spirit. This is a fulfilled condition. The next one is a choice that we make after we're saved in our sanctification. It's, it's unfulfilled. This, what do we have here in the next part? Uh, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is you and I surrendering to the Spirit living in us. I wrote in my Bible some time back beside verse 25, you have the Spirit, let the Spirit have you. And that is exactly what Paul is saying to this church to get out of the mess they're in, to be able to live the Christian life. And then in verse 26 he says, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Make no mistake about it. He's heard that this is what is going on within the church. He, he knows that this is what is happening, and he goes back to speaking about their current condition there in verse 26, just as he did in verse 15, when he's talking about them biting and devouring one another, which leaves them which leads them to sit here and look at what the flesh is, produces and to look at what the Spirit produces and to be able to examine themselves to see, to see where they stand in their relationship with the Lord and for them to decide what has happened to them since their new little religious friends have come along into the church. Because, see, they were saved by grace through faith. These are children of God in these churches. And, and, and they, were, they were doing a good work. And then these, these guys come along, and there's an obvious change. They were walking in the Spirit, and now they're fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. I mean, religion in the world, it sounds good to the natural man. You can do something for God. You can do something to earn God. You can do something to get your way into heaven. You can impress God. You can make God happy. Man, that, that just tickles the flesh. 
Granddaddy said, anytime you're listening to any of this stuff on TV, Kenneth, I had just been saved. He said, and, and, and it makes you feel good. And it's not, it's not something spiritual. It makes you feel good in, in your flesh. Just you need to turn it off. You need to make sure you get away from it. And that's what these flattering guys have come in and done. Think about it. Back when he said, ye did run well, chapter 5, verse 7, ye did run well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? And so what a beautiful way God is speaking through Paul so that they can see and examine themselves by the Word of God. What a beautiful examination that they can have. What a beautiful examination you and I can have as we look into God's Word to examine ourselves because our our behavior is going to be controlled by one of two sources. It's either going to be by the works of the flesh or it's either going to be by the fruit of the Spirit. It's encouraging to know that we can go into God's Word here and we can see what He has as a source for the behavior of the child of God and we can have confidence that our lives can become a manifestation of these things because we don't have to rely on ourselves. We can rely on Him. A couple of things that... Paul said to Philippi, and I underline them and I go to them all the time, and it's Philippians 1 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which be, hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. What a wonderful thing that we can see ourselves as a vessel that He wants to fill. As, as someone that He wants to use. We are free in Christ. We are free in Christ to have a life that does the things of Christ because He will do it through us, and, and, and it would be uh, Paul's desire that this is what would happen to the churches in Galatia. Well, we will pick up in chapter 6, the last chapter, next time that is, whenever it is, Lord willing.